gentlemen, the name of our podcast is With Lacey L. Um, and that song you just heard in the intro, hopefully, was her uh, her, siren, her siren, her single Siren, which uh, just dropped on Spotify. And, and all streaming platforms. Really, and yeah, and I, uh, I, I listen to it on Spotify. What else, what else is it streaming on? Uh, Apple, YouTube, like tons of places that I haven't even heard of before that I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, man, it is really, really good. Thank you. Um, I, I was, I was blown up. That is a hell of a first single to, to drop. Thank um, you. I, yeah, I've been, I've been listening to it on, like, on repeat <laughs> since, uh, <laughs> Since you sent it over yesterday, like I love it. Awesome! Oh, that's so good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it um, it, you know, in a weird, it. So I mean, the like the the oh, this reminds me of that game is always like, you know, whatever, because it sounds like you. It doesn't really. It's very unique sound. It doesn't really sound like anyone that that I'm that I've listened to before, but it. Reminded me a little bit of uh, Gautier. Um, oh, yeah. oh, that's really so, interesting. <laughs> cool. Okay. Just like, like the the like one person. Um, it sounds. Is it all you? Uh, like all the instruments and stuff. Or yeah. No, uh, not oh, okay. I, I did uh, the vocals and the piano and everything else uh, was other other musicians. Yeah. Okay. Did you? Did and and you had you had someone else do the mixing and mastering or was that I did that I, your work? I really wanted to do it myself it's my goal is to be able to to get to the point where I can do it myself but I tried and it was it was too much too much to it's... handle for for a first go um, so yeah I had uh, I actually um do you know who Becca Stevens is um no. She's a musician out of New York City. She's really good. She's done a lot of collaborations with Jacob Collier. Um, she was doing like a songwriting workshop, and uh, I signed up for that just for fun, like over quarantine time. And uh, I played her the song to get some feedback, and she actually recommended me to her producer. And so I ended up working with him. His name is uh, Nick Hard, and he does a lot of stuff for Snarky Puppy. Um, so yeah, he ended up doing the mix, and it sounded much better than what I originally attempted to do. And he got actually some mm. other musicians involved as well um, that he organized. So that was that was really cool. Yeah. yeah, and with with music like this, I'm I'm curious about your writing process. Like, yeah. how do you how do you go about writing these songs? Because it's do you have an instrument you play it with as you're writing, or are you kind of making it up? in your head or like singing it so yeah this is actually something I've debated I've been writing songs since I was maybe 12 I think and it's been an ever-evolving process uh, right now my favorite way to write is starting with vocals um, so what I'll do is I just kind of no matter where I am, if it's like in the grocery store or generally it's in the bathroom, I don't know why, um, I'll think of a melody or just something pops up and every time that happens I make sure as like a rule that I have to record it on my phone. Um, so I have over like 
500 tiny little snippet recordings on my phone. And then every so often I go through, you know, sometimes I remember one that might be good in this area or that I want to work on and I go find it. But often I'll just go through them and connect the dots, like see if there's any that connect um, and make sense together. And I kind of pull it together that way. And then I organize, you know, after that, it's, does piano go with this better? Like what's next piano, guitar? I'm actually, now that I'm getting more into mixing, I might just after that point jump straight into logic. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how it starts a bit. Um, can yeah. you can you talk a little bit more about when you're pulling pulling these different snippets together to to create like a, a full length song? Um, it's I just I I notice when I'm writing it's it's like the the transitions between two parts of a song or three parts of a song can be that can be one of the most difficult parts, and this is actually from other people, others like you know songwriters that I've spoken with that have a hard time doing that I'm certainly having having heard you play just in general um but also also in the single that you let out like the transitions are very smooth and and in Siren it's interesting because there's a lot there's a lot of there's lots going on um if you go from beginning to end and I think if there's a few kind of key things you did and I can't even put my finger on what they are in order to pull it all together and I'm, I'm just like, curious how you feel about kind of transitions and how you feel about the connecting the glue between different parts yeah um I think something that I often do is I try not to be afraid of them not being smooth or not connecting um because I, I feel like a lot of times if I'm too centered on um how can I say this? Okay, there, there's an art teacher that I used to have uh, when I was a teenager. And when we were making like 3D sculptures or I mean anything involving art, she would always say um, that the stuff you're using to hold things on, like the tape that you're using to connect your piece to something else, it either has to be invisible or it has to be obvious and like a part of what you're doing like it was on purpose hmm. um so i kind of think about that with transitions they either need to be very smooth which can be like ah because it's hard to get them like that <laughs> or they need to be purposefully um not messy but you know abrupt um, and I often yeah. find that when I just purposely go, okay, I'm not going to try to make this smooth. I'm not going to, like, they may not even connect. They may sound like totally two different songs. When I go with that, I don't know, they just end up working. Mm. <laughs> and then sometimes, like, taking, you know, if you have your drum beat and it's smoother going through, you know, you can connect with other instruments um, to kind of add some glue later in production. But, yeah, it's kind of a backwards mm. approach, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of um the the good vibrations approach. You know that song by the Beach Boys? Yeah. Um yeah. where they like not only was it sounds like, you know, five different songs, um just com and they'll completely change tempos abruptly and they also recorded different parts of the song in different studios cuz yes. Brian Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm kind of I'm kind of dealing with that um too and maybe you can you can play us a song in a, in a in a second here but i'm i'm kind of debating with that too because like the songs that i like i have an easy time writing a song if i just pick up my guitar and i start singing and then i just write the song in like that period of an hour 
because mm. like my mindset's all in the same place and it all flows together mm. but i'm like i'm nervous to uh complete a song that's been done in pieces because i'm like because with my music it's just me and a guitar and i don't have a band or other instruments around me so it's like it's very it's like very stark if uh if something doesn't fit together um but maybe that's just the that's just the cliff I have to jump off of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's funny that you mentioned good vibrations because that was actually that song was a major inspiration for Siren. <laughs> oh, yeah. right on. No way, really? Yeah, right on. Yeah, just all of there, especially there's like a little vocal breakdown in it that I I think I almost stole partially from that one was God only knows I think so a different song but oh, um, and then good sweet. vibrations as well as using them both as reference. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, I have I have I have a lot of there. There's all kinds of questions I wanna wanna ask about that. But would you would you wanna would you wanna play something for us? Sure. Um, you'll so I'll I'll play Siren, and you'll notice okay. that as I'm playing it, because it, it's a lot different in the, you know, it's kind of electronic. I guess it's very produced as the recording. <laughs> so I'm just gonna play it on guitar, which is funny because I wrote it on the piano. Um, hmm. And you'll find that the transitions are probably not very smooth. <laughs> so it really it takes okay, a lot of production is... to kind of glue it together when they're, yeah. Um, let me pull this up. Yeah. Lacey is our first uh, musical artist who is playing something electric that's not an acoustic oh, yeah. right yeah. i think right i think yeah. all of the artists that yeah. i played on here have i think played so acoustic guitar or something yeah or acoustic yeah. something cool yeah and i'm doing it really i'm doing it like an acoustic guitar because i'm just miking my amplifier <laughs> oh nice <laughs> kind of funny i don't know how that's gonna work sounds good from from our end at least yeah okay perfect uh i'm gonna switch headphones so i can hear what i'm doing so i won't be able to hear you until i put my my old ones back on Okay, fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> See swimming underneath me. Yeah. 
an awesome song that was really wonderful thank you I yeah that, the, that's hard to work through on the guitar <laughs> I, thought, I thought the transitions were great actually yeah, um, yeah great i have a question about um i mean it's it's about the vocals in that song but i guess about your mm -hmm. vocals in general um you have a lot of con seem to have a lot of control like when you're hopping up like if you're going like up an octave or something mm. um something that I'm trying to work on and I just can't do. Um, yeah. is, does that song, the highest that you go in that song, is that pushing your range or not so much? A, a little bit. It, it, I feel like I can go higher uh, because when I do vocal exercises, I go higher than that, but I'm not saying words. So like in the context of words and like hitting other notes and then jumping mm. up, it's, it's kind of pushing it, yeah, yeah what what um sa like sounds that you're that you would make i don't know i i have noticed this i've never actually had a conversation about this before and it sounds like you have some some knowledge on this 
what sounds that that you make when you're singing are like easier to hit in different registers versus sounds that are quite a bit harder to hit um, depending on what what you're singing? Does that question make sense? And is it also a relevant question? I think it's a relevant question, but let's let's make it make more sense. Uh, what, like, what do you mean by sound specifically? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like, if you're saying singing I versus you. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, the um, actual okay, like yeah. certain vowels or maybe vowels combined with certain consonants. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make more sense? So, yeah. e e is really hard to hit high. I can do it, but it sounds like like really nosy and crappy. Um, is that you specifically, better. or do you think that's a general, that's kind of I, the I same? I feel like maybe that one's general. I feel like I've heard I've heard people mention that before. Um, it, it's just because it, it kind of, when you go higher in your register, you sound better if you can be more open um, in your throat and in your mouth, and E is very like a closed syllable. So it's just, it kind of cuts off your uh your tone a bit or so, at least that's what i find have you had to be like specific about when you're writing okay like this is this this note's going pretty high like i need to be sure that the word that i'm putting in that space is you know sounds like this when i'm actually hitting that note like it needs to be an o sound maybe or an i sound or a sound that's maybe easier to hit in a higher register yeah so funny that you mentioned that because that is something i think about a lot but never ever do <laughs> <laughs> because oh, okay. I'll be writing and like I get the words and I'm like this is perfect and then I'm like but I can't sing it and then I'm like that's okay it'll come later which sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't uh, <laughs> generally it's just always hard so I'm, I'm very mean to myself in that way uh, it's definitely I think it would be very interesting to pay more attention to that because then I would have more ease when I was playing live um, like that song that song terrifies me to play live just because it's very difficult to to sing um, so yeah, I, I'm definitely going to put more weight on that in the future. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting you, you say that because I don't, I don't think I'm capable of writing a song which is, like, out of my comfort zone mm. to play. Because, okay. like, like I, I, could, I could learn a song that's out of my comfort zone and then, like, maybe that stretches my abilities of how good I am. But, like, if I'm writing a song, like, the only thing I, that can ever come out for me is stuff that I'm just comfortable with, with doing, pretty much. Okay. So it's interesting that you, that you, like, wrote something that, like, challenges you to actually perform. I, I kind of wish I was more like you because literally every song I write <laughs> is so difficult for me to play. And I keep going, why do I do this to myself? Now I have nothing I can play live because I'm so difficult to do. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure which is better, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think I give up on those ide <laughs> ideas. I think that's, that's pretty much it, which I kind of, okay. in a way, I wish I was, I was more like you. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's good because it, it pushes you to create sounds that you haven't created before mm. in, in that way. Um, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so, Lacey, of course, you put this single out during all the lockdown, quarantine, pandemic. Yeah. And have you had a chance to perform this in any type of live setting, even if it's just with, you know, a couple... I don't know, around a, around a campfire or something, or even, you know, something like that? Um, not so much. You guys 
are pretty much the first people hearing that live. Yeah, I think you heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. Tanupi with the <laughs> jazz hands from the world. <laughs> yeah, there might have been. I think maybe last week there was a bit of a campfire situation where I played half of it, but I was high and I played half of it poorly, and I, <laughs> it doesn't count. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. So, Lacey, yeah. I wanted to ask you something. This is going back to something you're kind of talking about before you made the connection between a, an art teacher you had um, sounded like a, a visual arts teacher maybe yeah. crafts of some sort um, and for the amount that I know you I know that you're you're creative in general you're not just a song you're a singer songwriter musician of course but you're you're a creative and and you have and cor- you can correct me if I'm wrong on this but you're kind of spread out in different in the different arts correct I'm yeah. curious about, I guess, first, what are those? Um, mm-hmm. And if you're kind of, um, if you're, if you're, you, if you're participating in any of these arts at the moment, um, and also those connection, how you connect those with music. And you already gave a great example earlier, but that prompted me and uh, to think about that. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. So the main ones are music and visual arts, which. I say visual arts because I kind of do a lot in the arts. I do, I paint and I draw, I do digital art, and I also do graphic design, which is something that I'm trying to build up as a business or like way to make money at the moment. Um, It's going very slowly, but it is going, so that's cool. Um, So there's that, and then I also was like intensely dancing for eight years uh, when I was a teenager, like every single day, ballet, tap dancing, modern dancing every every type of dance um and that's something i actually picked up when i was living in montreal um because montreal has this amazing partner dancing culture mm. i don't know if you got into that mm. at all but oh my god a little bit it. but yeah yeah go ahead yeah it's fantastic so I, I got back into that a bit um those are those are really the three main ones i mean there's writing obviously but that's connected to songwriting like i've written a lot of poetry outside of music and also in music um, a couple short stories here and there, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's basically those four. And how they connect, because they definitely do, um, in general, it, it's just kind of a, a cross-hatching of different inspirations. I think dance is one that connects interestingly because um, it's kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with music a bit. I mean, because music, dancing. <laughs> um, so... It's something I've been thinking about that I want to do, a couple things actually, two things that I've been thinking about recently that I want to do. The first one is I thought it would be interesting to like backwards engineer a song. So come up with the way that you would like people to dance to your song. Um, mm. Like the kind of, you know, like if, if there's a song, there's this new genre that's kind of out where the, the beat is like behind everything a little bit. And that just gives you this feeling of like leaning back and you kind of want to go low and then there's other songs that kind of make you go higher and that's just naturally what most people will do when they hear that song. So what is the move that you want people to do when your song comes on? And then write a song based off that move and then see, you know, test it, see if you succeeded and maybe make like, I kind of want to make a video, uh, YouTube 
kind of vlog style thing out of this mm -hmm. test it on people and see if you succeeded see if they kind of go anywhere close to that move when they hear your song um, <laughs> oh that's so, that's really yeah, really interesting that's one thing i really want to experiment with the other this is my new idea i had last night actually um i was in the seat in the bathroom again i guess that's my spot and spot. uh yeah the water was dripping in the bathtub just a little bit and it kind of sounded like tap dancing and I was like, that would be really cool if you had a beat that was emulating the style of tap dancing, but you did like a modern style rap type um, R&B vocal over it. And you kind of use the tap dance sound as the hi-hat, right? Mm -hmm. I have to play with that more, but yeah. So, so those are two examples of how I kind of connect the two <laughs> a bit there. Yeah. You know, I just... Um... I, I saw a YouTube video. Okay, no, for I've I've two thoughts going in my head at once, but I'm gonna yeah. go with one then the other. Um, do you think that you can uh, write a song? Here's my challenge to you. Okay. Uh, write a song that will get people to do the crab. Tell me what the wait. Do the crab the, the, right the, now. <laughs> the, 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 okay, the crab for any, for people who can't hear. It, I'll 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 show it and then we'll describe what what I'm doing. But like. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were talking about like crab walking like on all fours, you know? That like, no, the, the like MC Hammer thing where he's like in a squat position and then like going side to side. Okay. That, you know yeah, that? That, that is a challenge. <laughs> I want to yeah. work on that one. Okay, cool. What? <laughs> Well, going off of what you were talking about before, I like the idea of you, um, whether it's tap dancing or another type of dance that also includes some sort of sound, to like include your dancing experience, your dancing skills in a song, like you, mm. your, you specifically. Um, so like your tap dancing sound, like you, like you just yeah. alluded to. Yeah, exactly. um, or I suppose there could be other sounds that are made from dance. You don't typically think of dance as a sound-oriented art, but yeah. But when you think be. of like Irish clog dancing, a little bit. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's so true. There, but yeah. yeah. Which of course you're a master at as well. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're not an Irish yeah. clogger. I've never tried it. No, maybe I uh -huh. should. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's other sounds that come. I feel like uh, you could do that with a lot of types of dance, especially let's say it was modern dance, right? Which is generally done barefoot, so you, it doesn't actually make sounds that you can audibly hear, especially when there's music going on. But let's say there wasn't music and you close mic'd the floor um, or yeah. close mic'd to where the dance was happening, you would hear like there'd be a lot of interesting sound and like squishing of feet dragging on the floor and stuff like that. So mm. that's actually a great idea. Something I'm super passionate about is um, found sound. I don't know if you guys know what that is, mm. but basically it's just when it's a sound that isn't typically thought of to be musical, um, like this candle holder or something, and it's not making noise, so this is totally unhelpful. But um, any, anything that's not musical but has a cool sound, like water, that's a good example. Right. Um, and you put that in your song. I actually did that in Siren a lot. I made a drum beat out of dolphin chirping and, and stuff like that. Um, that just goes on in the background. So I'm really into that idea. So yeah, doing that with dance could be very cool as well. Where did you uh, where did you find the dolphins? Did you you were renting them? 
I, yeah, I, I rented them out. <laughs> I had them in my bathtub. <laughs> Dolphin rental yeah. service. That's a good idea for a business. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is a pretty good business idea. <laughs> well, she, Lacey's already done that. <laughs> you, yeah. So, I so yeah, it's a, more of a... Um, what's, a, what's a business that's like in the... What do you call it when it's in the... like? seed funding phase where it's not like public yet but they're like testing out stuff it's like a prototype phase of a startup or something mm, yeah yeah whatever is that what you're t- <laughs> what how is that you're gonna go on with that thought or you're just saying that's what the stage it's in right now yeah the stage it's in right now yeah prototype <laughs> so, stage <laughs> if anyone uh, listening to this podcast is looking to invest in a dolphin renting business yeah now is the time <laughs> then we'll make music out of it all the poor dolphins this is terrible <laughs> when did you were you a kid when you started um hanging out with dolphins uh yeah around 15 that about that time just really connected actually when i was real story when i was oh i don't know two or three i i'm originally from california that's where i was born so mm. lots of dolphins there about the area <laughs> and uh so i think we went to like a park or something a dolphin park and a bunch of them befriended me kind of they do this to a lot of people but it was cool and they just swam up to me and i was like petting them and yeah <laughs> oh my god that is Very amazing cool. <laughs> yeah i've yeah i've heard i've heard dolphins are uh one of the they're one of the few animals that have self-awareness like mm, uh, yeah. an understanding of I being separate from the other. Yeah. And if they like see themselves in a mirror, they can recognize that it's them and not just another dolphin. Yeah. I've heard that too. I, I, they're fascinating. I really like them. Mm. And I will probably never view them in the same way after watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Did you guys see that one? I've watched that movie <laughs> several times, but it's been years. Where did the dolphins come in? in They're just life? like, oh man, I don't even remember now because I've seen it so long ago too, and it's just this vivid image in my mind of dolphins from that movie. I'm not sure where they came in, but it was super, it was super <laughs> random. And they were like dancing to the apocalypse, I think, and doing jumps and like saying goodbye. It was like a, a song. <laughs> they were doing a song. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I I like that you'll never see dolphins the same way again after seeing that, even though you don't really remember what it was that <laughs> well, you like, saw. I don't remember where it was in some the movie, kind of but I just remember. Shift. Yeah. Do you guys ever do that? It's just like this visual uh, image in your head, and you can't really connect it to where it came from, but that one part just really stuck vividly. Yeah. 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 Those are those are can be very frustrating because uh, yeah. you're like where did I see this yeah exactly and what does it that mean that happened to me a few days ago I don't even remember what it was what it was about yeah <laughs> man okay this is this is a total uh not not a total non sequitur but just something I, I was thinking about yesterday it was how um humans going into space is kind of like when a fish first started crawling onto land and like uh had just started evolving into different species like that process so i'm like what if humans starting to fly into space 
is actually the start of a new evolutionary chain, much like the fish going onto land, turning into animals and humans. Oh my god. I love that. <laughs> That's really cool. Dan has just created uh, the new concept for your, for your next single. Yeah, but actually, though, no joke. <laughs> That's, oh yeah, man, that's that would that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I I hope you I hope you can write a song about that. Yeah, my, and, like, my Siren mind is, is blown. The first, <laughs> yeah, Siren like, is Siren the first. Siren is where it's all then... in the water, and then slowly the songs get less and less in the water until they're on land, and then they're in outer space. You know There's what, a fucking though? concept album. I've already okay, <laughs> so this is true. Simon was in water. The song I'm working on right now that I'll be releasing hopefully in the next week, couple weeks. Um, it, it's oh. kind of got this caveman esque type of fire woodsy sound. So I'm actually doing that. I guess now we just I just need to get the space All element right. in the one afterwards, the song afterwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Fuck yeah. Hmm. Um, this is, I guess, sorry, this is not going to maybe sound as exciting, but I'm curious, uh, about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> such, this is such, this is so not related to, to this idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I feel like, I mean, I don't know your family, Lacey, but I mm. feel like, do you come from a family that's like super supportive of the arts? Um, are any other members of your family in, like interested and participatory in the arts in any ways that you are? So I, I come from a family that is super supportive of me. <laughs> so so the arts, mm. like they, they are supportive of the arts, but that's because I'm interested in the arts. Nobody, uh, I mean, I, I have one aunt in California that is an actor. And apart from that, my dad likes music, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't really play much of anything, and I, don't, I haven't even heard him listen to that much music recently. And my mom doesn't even like listening to music at all. She will never put music on, um, but she does do some visual arts, a little bit of like illustration stuff. Um, yeah, so so not so much. Mm. I, I kind of definitely growing up, there was a lot of support of my arts, though almost too much because I kind of wish at some point one of us had stopped to go, wait. Okay, now also, how are we going to make money? <laughs> but uh, that's okay. Figuring it out. Um, yeah. So it's, it's there a bit. Would you say that music, at least in the past maybe few years, um, has taken kind of a front seat to the other, to the other art forms that you, that you participate in? Pretty much my whole life, actually. It's always I, been I like say, that. Okay. Like, it, sometimes it goes dormant just because I get frustrated and I need a break. Like, self-doubt eats me up entirely until I can't go on and I have to, like, take a month or two reprieve. Um, but apart from that, it, it's pretty much always dominant. Um, although I, I started writing songs when I was 12, and at that point, dance was dominant. And then I think when I hit 15, they flipped. So music became more dominant then. And since then, it's just been mostly music. Yeah. What do you think and how do you, f how do you feel about your own self-doubt? Hmm. I, uh, I am not friends with it, hmm. <laughs> uh, which is a vicious cycle because I self-doubt and then I self-doubt that I self-doubt, right? Hmm. So that, that's helpful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and um, I that's been like that my entire life, and I've always been trying to remedy it and find ways out of it, and I never have until last year I started doing psychedelics for the first time. <laughs> and now it's getting, like, I, I have had so many breakthroughs, I can't even explain, but it's, it's still there. I still have work to do, but the self-doubt is controllable. Like, I can look at it objectively and go, you are not me. You're there, but you do not define who I am. And I can kind of step away from it a bit. And that's been, I, I wouldn't have been able to release Siren if I hadn't been able to do that. So it's, mm. a, it's a big thing. Yeah. Would you, if you're comfortable, mind talking a little bit about maybe one of those breakthrough moments? Maybe one of the, maybe one of the first ones. I don't know if any of them are kind of with you yeah. quite clearly. They're kind of all mushed together. It's kind of weird. Um, okay. So I, yeah, the, I, how do I start? I was pretty judgmental about drugs in general. Um, just, just cause my family is, and I didn't think about it and I came from that. And then, um, I had a friend last year who was just very adamant about their, the benefit of them, um, mentally. And he got me to try them. And so I actually did, I did LSD mushrooms and, um, ecstasy which technically I don't is that technically a psychedelic I don't think no I don't know, I don't know if it's a psychedelic definitely yeah. changes the effect but when it, you I, mix it yeah. with something like yeah. mushrooms or something so I did those three in the, simultaneously no that that would have been a, a <laughs> never tried any drugs before let's try all of them at the same <laughs> all time all in one evening no it was like over a four month period though so right, never having right, done right. anything and then like you know uh, pretty close together yeah. Um, so I don't know that there were any super like breakthrough moments, but it was just those four months slowly like uh, adding up to a an epiphany a little bit. Um, and which, when when were sorry, those? What four months were those? You said this was in the last year. This was last year. It was last fall actually. I think so. The first one, the first one I did was mushrooms, and that was September. Um, mm. And then I ended with the LSD in February actually this year so yeah okay a bit of a span yeah did you feel and that's like sustained itself it, it has a little bit even to it, it was really oddly enough and I don't know if other people have found this it was really the ecstasy that did the most which I thought was interesting um but yeah that what I got from that uh, was just like I said before this pure ability to view myself objectively that I have never had before um, it, It's stuck. It's not as strong now, but it's there I can still kind of tap into it, which I think is amazing. It's been months mm -hmm. um, Yeah, so I, I'm so thankful. I don't know. I don't know where I would be right now if I hadn't done that actually so yeah <laughs> I, actually, um, you know, I've I've always uh, had issues with uh, intimacy mm. and uh, MDMA has has helped that and specifically my my current girlfriend and I we were like like both falling in love but um, both trying to protect ourselves and then like yeah. MDMA actually kind of bridged that gap so it was it was on MDMA when we were like I love you yeah. and um, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I heard. So they use it for uh, PTSD recovery, mm-hmm. um, and it yeah. has amazing results. But they also use it for couples therapy for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. And the first time I did it too, I did it uh, with my ex, who was my boyfriend at the time, um, as we were kind of breaking up and going through that process. And oh my god, it, it like I don't I don't want to say smoothed out or fixed anything, but it just gave this amazing amount of closure and understanding. Um, to the point where we are still talk all the time. We're really close friends. I don't know if we mm. would have been if we hadn't done that. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely something connective about it. Yeah. What What do you think? I mean, it sounds like I guess it would have been um, your I guess your friend who was like kind of encouraging you. But I'm wondering if there was something else just going on in your mind at the time that pushed you over the edge to actually kind of give it a shot, right? Because you had said before yeah. that you were really kind of went from zero to a hundred a little bit or maybe not quite that much but you you know what I mean sort um, of yeah pretty zero to a hundred because I don't really even drink that much a tiny bit so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> zero to a hundred is accurate so um, was it just your friend or was there something also going on maybe in your life or something or just a, a, a mentality or attitude mindset that you'd that you'd had at that time that kind of shifted um it was definitely because of the friend, because if it weren't for the friend, I don't think I would have done it. However, um, because, because just, you know, knowing, having somebody you can trust who's getting it and they know where to get it from. And I, we tested, you know, we did stuff really safe. So the ecstasy, we had a tester to make sure it was pure and stuff like that. So having access to that knowledge definitely helped. But also this was at a time, so I'd been in Montreal for four years. I was going to university there. Um, I had just finished, not graduated, finished, as in dropped out. <laughs> um, and so I was feeling really, I, and that also because of this, my visa was expiring in Montreal. So I had to leave the city. I didn't know where mm-hmm. I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew I wanted to do music, but I had no idea uh, how to even start going about that. Like what step to take can be very confusing. Um, and so everything felt horrible, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Uh, so I think just that sense of like, I, I need to do something, I, I don't know what it is, but something's got to change, um, that helped. And also, uh, so I come from a family that is very like anti-vaccine. Um, and again, that was just my mentality for a while, having done no research on it myself, but just because you grow up with that. And so this was also a time where I was starting to research that and decide whether these are actually things I believe in, which I found they weren't. And then I went out and got my first vaccine, which this sounds like a very small meaningless does, thing but it does but it not wasn't, sound you know? small and meaningless mm. at all I yeah. don't think like I, I was taught to be super afraid of them so like I was actually terrified going in to get it was just yeah. like a tetanus shot because wow. I had cut my finger pretty bad and I was like that was a huge deal mentally um so yeah there was a lot of opening up happening at that time that's that's not a small deal at all I think that's that's actually really fascinating I don't know if I've actually had this type um, of conversation that comes from that that type of somebody that comes from that type of background that's kind of mm. made these conscious decisions to well to, to really look into it and, and kind of make your mind up right um mm. has because that's a pretty that's a pretty full-on way of of thinking like people that think one way or the other are usually quite intent on that so i'm wondering has that is that 
how has that conversation gone, I guess, with friends and family um, now that you've kind of looked into it and started to make more decisions in a certain direction? Talking about the vaccinations. Right. Um, so let's see here. Family, again, just supportive of mostly what I want to do. Yeah. A little bit judgmental, not super into it. Like, yeah. you can do whatever you want, but you know they might kill you, you know, that, that kind of mm. attitude. Uh, yeah, that's humans. been that way. Yeah. Not too much conversation. Friends, um, again, just that same friend was, he's a very scientific um, guy and he was kind of getting me into researching things for myself. Uh, so he helped me, kind of talked me into doing that again. This, I'm not saying this correctly, it just sounds like I'm being coerced into doing drugs uh, and vaccines. Not so much, but just like having that door open. Uh, and, and apart from that, apart from discussing like the pro side of vaccines with my friend and the anti side with my parents, I haven't talked to anybody about this because I'm generally a little worried to bring up the topic. Mm. Um, I, I, I do have opinions, but nobody really knows that I have opinions because I'm always <laughs> afraid to share them because mm. I'm never confident enough to defend them, which is something mm. I'm, I'm working on right now and I want to get much better with. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know about conversations so much because I haven't had many. <laughs> That's a really interesting point too. If there's a certain topic that you have an opinion on, but you're worried about sharing it because, because you're not sure if you have enough evidence to fully defend it. It's an yeah. interesting point. I feel like if you go into it with um, like an attitude into a conversation where you're very blunt and forward about your potential ignorance on the subject matter, and like, you know, this is the research I've done, but I'm very open to the fact that I might not know anything and I might completely change my mind if I, you know, learn this, learn that and the other. Maybe that can help a little bit. But I, I feel you on that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah. you on that for sure mm -hmm. on a lot of subjects. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and you're right. That's, that's maybe a good thing to do. I should just be more open to about because uh, because generally I don't get stuck. I'm not one of the kinds of people that get stuck on opinion they have and like that is law I'm pretty open maybe too open actually to having outside sources change my opinion but uh so maybe that is a, at least would help a bit to present in that way like you know I'm open to stuff I don't know what I'm talking about but here's what I currently think I, I actually think that's a good thing to do even if you know everything in the world about this topic yeah you know, because yeah I, I think some of the smartest people are the people who can you know, get on a interview or get on a debating platform and allow their opinions to be changed within that conversation. Because uh, it's yeah. generally not something that most people are willing to do. Um, and I understand why there's like this kind of ego pride thing that comes with like, well, this is what I've been saying. And if I, you know, bow down to you and say that, okay, maybe you're correct, then that means I'm wrong, right? It means you kind of have to eat your pride. And I think that's why not many people do it. But I think some of the smartest people, yeah, do do that. They're more open to changing their own opinions on the spot. Do you think that that is also at times a bit of a cultural thing that mm. we're that we're impacted to think? What kind of exactly what you're saying, like that people are more willing to be open minded about about subjects that they might feel confident on um, versus the opposite of that, based on the culture that they were raised in. Not fully based on that, but maybe at least partially based on that. Does that yeah. question make I sense, mean, by the way? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. Coming, coming very specifically from this kind of Western culture, I, I can't say for sure. I haven't done a lot of traveling. I wish I had. So anything I say is kind of going to be complete 
assumption, but I feel like I feel like culture could definitely affect that for sure. Um, I feel like maybe that is a very kind of American thing to do to won't be egotistical. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say, but kind of. Did you notice what you just did there? You just did the exact thing. <laughs> did I? <laughs> yeah, you like prefaced by go. being like, well, I'm and not now... super well traveled. I spent, you know, most of my life in this Western culture. But these are my opinions on it based on my, <laughs> okay, uh, based on and, my experience. And it's I great. And I am now 40% less likely to scream at you for saying, uh, for your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, see, it works. Yeah. yeah, it seemed very natural as well, the way that it came out. Yeah, cool. Um, well, that's good to know. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, I wonder about that. Because, like, I think part of it is baked in to, to human nature to be, like, you know, we, we tribalize ourselves in various ways that, so that we fit into a group um, and like ideas and opinions is like one way that we tribalize ourselves um, there's being like I'm on this side this is my team and like so then you have a whole bunch of people that you're just very comfortable that they agree with you and you don't need to worry that they that they disagree with you you know like I go to New York City into my like uh, hippie scenes I know that if I say like, yeah, we should have we should have Medicare for all and like sex positivity is okay, that they're just all gonna be down with that, um, and it's like it's comf it's comforting. I know my place, but it's also um, you know it can be toxic to be in yeah. your echo chamber to just be like more and more and more mm -hmm. separated from people who are different from you. Yeah, exactly. This is actually something that I think about a lot, not necessarily with the topic of opinions, but just how how culture can affect, well, yes, I guess opinions, how culture can affect the opinions that you make, whether you're expressing them or not. Um, like, I feel like there's so many, just in the culture that I'm in, there's so many um, assumed things going on. I mean, uh, the idea of love, for instance, is one of them. This is like, now I'm rambling a bit off topic, but. The idea of love, um, the way it's portrayed, the way I thought of it um, when I was a kid or like in fairy tales, I have found that that, for the most part, doesn't exist. Um, there mm. is love and it's magical, but it's completely different than what I was taught love meant. Mm. And it took me a really long time to be okay with that because I was like, but there's this magical fairy tale type of love thing and I'm just not finding it because I suck or for whatever reason. Um, and I don't know, it just bugs me that there's all these, they're kind of like lies a little bit about life that are just embedded in culture that as a kid you seep into your brain and then it's just heartbreaking when you find out they're not true and why do we need to do that why can't we just why can't things be more realistic why do there have to be all of these like extreme um kind of fairy tale like mm. aspects of culture floating around that we have to unlearn Seems to me there's got to be some connection here between that idea and capitalism. Like, I feel mm. capitalism, consumerism, like, that just seems to make sense in my mind. Like, there's some connection to, like, why are these things so outlandish and this, like, creating, creating these fantasies in kids' heads and then just the whole process that you just went through, um, mm. that you just talked about. 
like how, I feel like it's got to be connected in somehow to large companies making money um, and maybe you mm-hmm. know like Disney could be maybe an example of that Disney and these these types of companies that are spreading this um, and I, I mean I do tend to notice that that connection is typically there when we talk about subjects like this um, not that I'm saying right now that they're I'm having the exact connection, but that's my general feeling. Yeah, on it. that's that is that is interesting. Although, like, it has that ha- that like idea. Well, actually, to to be clear, um, that we're talking about the the same thing. What is for you, Lacey? What is the difference between like the love that you thought from you know Disney movies and all the the things that you're brought up on and what you find it to be now? Hmm. Okay. Ooh, I was not prepared for this question. I should have been. Okay. So the love from Disney Disney movies, the kind that I was kind of looking for, I guess, is just very... You find somebody and you devote yourself to them and they devote themselves to you. Um, And just any kind of... Like, it's just going to be perfect. Not always, but, like, you know, you're not going to need to communicate that much. Um, You're going to have fights and stuff, but you're going to be together forever. And this is a horrible explanation. I'm going to hear this later and wish I had thought this through more. But something a bit like that, uh, sort of. And then the idea of what love kind of is, is it, it it doesn't even need to be monogamous necessarily because although I love monogamy it just doesn't (laughs) always work and to associate the idea of love with monogamy is very limiting in a way yeah um not to mention nothing is perfect communication is essential and it's just it's magical in a different way but it's not magically perfect in this fairy tale kind of like vibe that I always thought. I think also part of it's that, um, and you you touched on this in a a little part of of your explanation, Mm -hmm. which is in a lot of these movies and and, and books and this whole category that you're talking about, often there is like a problem or problems between the couple. But at the end of this category that we're talking about, at the end of the film or the book, it is that like, okay, now they're just like together and happy. Exactly. forever and there's no more explanation of like exactly. well what happens after that like are there more problems or because yeah. it it definitely implies that there aren't um mm. and it's a and that's a constant message the problem isn't even resolved it's just we found a way to overlook it you know in, in a lot of these stories like we we didn't necessarily go through the communication of how we fixed this problem we just we can accept this problem and let's move on and pretend like it doesn't exist i don't know i found that's a typical storyline for these kind of things yeah i think it's it's for me it's the idea of um love at the sacrifice of everything else yes that's, um, that's the perfect way to explain it yeah uh, like uh, Mark Manson. Do you know Mark Manson? I don't think so. Nope. Actually, so two two Mark Manson uh, ideas have come up for me in this this podcast. One is that that idea of the uh, like ju- the meta judgment of like judgment of your judgment of yourself. Um, he addresses that 
in a very practical way in his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, I do know Mark Manson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, okay. Yeah, his book is more famous than he is. Yeah, Dan Dan works for him. He's one of his marketing... marketing people yeah and does oh, he hasn't paid that. me anything yet and he and he <laughs> doesn't know cool. that i'm uh and he doesn't know that i'm working for him but i am that sounds like <laughs> just uh, just story, keep plugging yeah. him just keep plugging him in all of the good conversations yeah. and he'll eventually he'll eventually start paying you <laughs> one day the chick my chickens are gonna come home to roost in a good way yes <laughs> i think that i think that phrase has a negative connotation but no my chickens are just my chickens are coming home and I'm gonna have my, my chickens. You're not now. gonna be there when they come home. Yeah, oh, they'll cross the. They'll swim. I'm moving to Kiev. They'll swim. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully um, they can fly flying chickens. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, those are very expensive chickens. Um, <laughs> but he has the money now. He's a best selling author. He can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. The other idea <laughs> is um, love is not enough. And mm. so that the um, idea of love that we have is that, like, no differences of ideology or lifestyle or, like, location or practical matters, uh, none of that shit matters at all because you're in love and and love is above everything but he makes a point in the article something like um if one of you is like uh a guy who's a mormon missionary who doesn't want to have sex until he's married and wants to to raise a family in like suburban ohio and and then the girl is like a porn star uh, who really likes doing drugs and like wants to live in China like it doesn't matter if you're in love because those is just not going to work in a healthy way because you have you have fundamental um, differences about you that will make that relationship unhealthy to be in um, so it's there's like a certain level of practicality where it's like okay you need to have like yeah like love is important but other stuff needs to work as well um yeah. and that's the kind of thing that's ignored it's, it's part in, of the argument yeah. it's part of the argument also that like love is in part formed by these practicalities by fundamental practicalities or that they're separate they're separate entirely I, I mean, I I think he's, I think he's arguing that they, uh, that they are that they're like separate. Like you can you can fall in love with somebody who just is practically not going to work out. Although, like you know, for certain people, they're attracted to someone who's unavailable and is not actually like a realistic salute, like realistic partner for yeah. them. Like because it's a very the, common thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, you know, other people are like, you know, oh, this this person has these common values and so that's something that makes them comfortable like exploring deeper emotions. 
So I'm gonna, if it's okay, I'm gonna kind of bring this around again to um, to your, your art and your music, Lacey. Yeah. What role roles, if any, have have been, um, has has love played in your song writing and and also your your actual playing in itself? Could be love in any way that you want to take that. Could be love for um, for another for another human or humans, for yourself. Uh, for other aspects of life, for the music itself, however you want to take it. Yeah. So, again, this is something I've thought about because I, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out what it is that why is every song on the planet, especially, and I do not mean to be sexist, but especially women, although it's kind of both, um, they're all about relationships, like very directly, very in kind of the same way, viewing it in the same way. Um, why is this happening? And for a while I just thought because it's a very strong emotion and I have felt horrendous heartbreak and that can kind of control you so for sure it's going to show up in art. At the same time I I've met people who are just getting into songwriting and the first couple songs they write are about relationships just because that's what they hear all the time mm -hmm. so they think that you know to upgrade their their yeah. songwriting it's kind of got to be in that topic if they want to sound um, not real but not amateurish is what I'm trying to say yeah um, I, I think that's kind of interesting I think there's this kind of push to write about relationships in music so I have current uh, recently actually made the decision to try to avoid that um, so like within any song that I write there can be um, hints of love here and there like I'm not completely restricting myself um, but I, I really want to try to write about other topics like quantum mechanics or like weird things that, mm -hmm. that aren't generally awesome. right but then do it in a an edible way that can that can be consumed <laughs> easily that's not just a random piece of subculture art that would also include that within this this idea that you're talking about this would also include like or not include like the love for quantum mechanics right like yeah. you that's not allowed kind of in this way of thinking because it's because um, there's love involved well th there can be love involved with that at this point i was mostly just talking about the typical relationship yeah kind of thing. Okay. I, I think yeah. that like love is is life a little bit so you can't mm -hmm. get away from it and to get away from it would be just sad in, in a way um yeah. but but definitely to like within songwriting approach love from like a different door yeah, yeah. right so yeah mm -hmm. yeah um and i'm still working through that because always my first instinct still is to write that very typical kind of relationshipy mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. kind of song um which i find interesting so it's something i'm trying to get out of the habit of yeah i i would i would also that that is a really interesting idea like i know that i've i've been really um there are like s certain fleet foxes songs that come to mind that are you know i i love because they're about like the operation of the universe yes, <laughs> um yeah like why in the night sky are the lights hung why is the earth moving round the sun Floating in a vacuum with no reason, not a one. Like, that's very cool, and that's not about a relationship. Um, yeah. 
Off the off the top of your head, can you guys name three songs that are not about uh, a relationship? Now that I'm only thinking about ones that are relationships because yeah, of that. Immediately. <laughs> uh, I feel like Don't there's, think about there's, an a, elephant. there's a variety of weird Al Yankovic songs that are not about relationships. <laughs> He's the first person okay. that comes to mind. <laughs> okay. He's got the hardware store song where it's like all about different just like tools you find in a hardware store. It's literally the whole song. Right. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm thinking completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think th- actually that could be um, that would be an excellent Spotify playlist. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's mm. I actually um, even more to this. Um, a friend that uh, a friend from from a while ago, who's who's Latina. I, she was we were in a kind of a road trip and she's putting on all of these like kind of stereotypical latina songs which like if we think that we have a lot of love songs here <laughs> man oh man there are a lot of love songs in latin american music um especially the more like um standard latin american music and so i told her okay like we've got like five more hours of driving today see how long you can go without playing a love song Mm. um and she did a pretty good job but it definitely challenged her a lot more and there were a lot of interesting songs that she had to look up to put on but it's crazy how much of a challenge that is like that that yeah you don't you don't generally think about it but when you do it's like wow (laughs) yeah um so i don't know if um is this around a time when maybe if you're comfortable playing another song, Lacey? Yeah, I'm super into that. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to run and grab my computer charger really quick. Um, okay. I should have thought that one out beforehand. But yeah, I'll, I'll grab it and then I can play another song. Cool. Definitely. Great. Go for it. Hmm. So, man, other songs, not about a relationship. So I'm... I'm gonna say that that one, "Blue Spotted Tail" by Fleet Foxes. Um, Depending on how you want to interpret certain songs, there's plenty of instrumental songs that are not necessarily about relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them kind of are directly related to relationships, though. Um, Like Mm. you can just you can just hear it in the in Mm. in in a melody, for example. but, but yeah, maybe I'll default to that. So, um, no, nah, it doesn't count if there's if there's no lyrics. <laughs> I think this would be actually a good Reddit thread to start too, if this hasn't already been a Reddit thread. Um, I'm sure it has been actually. What's the um, oh? Fire and Rain by James Taylor. I don't know that. Maybe there's a there's a hint of some love thing in there, but you don't know the song Fire and Rain? Mm-hmm. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Seen sunny days oh, I yeah. thought wouldn't have That's like a song about his own depression. Um mm. and I think Elliot Elliot Smith has songs about de- There's lots of songs about depression too. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I guess there's that, um, there's the Bob Dylan song, um, I think maybe it's the, the ballad of William Zanzinger, or like Masters of War. Um, those are like political uh, songs. Uh, Godspeed to you, Black Emperor. Godspeed to you, Black Emperor. They have songs that are certainly not love related or okay. relationship related. All right. You both cut out simultaneously, so I have no idea what you're talking about, but I heard political songs. <laughs> I think. Oh, uh, yeah. We were, we were just thinking more about more songs that are not related to relationships. That are and so then I said, Masters yeah. of War by Bob Dylan. You know, it's a political song. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. And uh, not yeah. love-related. Nice. So Lacey's back. And um, Lacey, you're, I'm back. you're I'm... up for playing another song for the Tanupi audience. Yeah, I think this will this will be our, our send off, pretty much. Yeah, sounds good. This mm. is uh, this is a cover. Um, it's location by I think I always say his name wrong. I should have checked this before getting on here. But Khalid, is that right? Khalid, uh, location. Maybe you guys don't know. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know the song. Know who Khalid yeah. is, but don't know the song. Excited yeah. to hear it. Okay, perfect. Just waiting for my piano to turn on. There we go. song after talking about this for so long <laughs> sometimes i wonder what i fool with you yeah it's new to me and it's new to you initially i didn't want to fall for you but you got my attention now it's all for you so won't you take advantage i leave my heart damage just to find
Yeah. Mm. I realized actually part of the way through the song that I do know that song and I really like that version. In fact, I, no cool. offense to Khalid, but I, I actually really appreciated your version a little bit more. <laughs> oh, thank I you. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, what are a yeah. couple of the, uh, the, the kind of the bigger, well, some of the changes that you made to make it more your own? I don't know the song well enough, the original well enough to really fully know it, but... Yeah, so a couple things happened, actually. The first time I heard this song, it was a cover of it that, uh, I think her name's pronounced Javaya, Javaya Ward did. It was one of those um, singing audition shows, I think it was called The Four. And her voice, oh my god, her voice. It's amazing. I think she's got my favorite voice ever <laughs> that I've heard. Um, so I heard her version first. And then I heard, um, I believe her name is Emily Bear, though I could be wrong. Um, she put like a little thing up on Instagram doing a jazz cover of that song. Mm. And that's what I heard second. And then third, I heard the original. Um, and I think just being influenced by all three of those versions yeah. helped. Um, as well as sometimes with piano, my fingers do things and I don't control them, which <laughs> I wish I had more control over them but they just go in certain patterns and so any song I end up playing on piano tends to have that pattern in it a bit which gives things yeah uh, more unique flair I suppose um, yeah bit of a combination there those patterns that you're talking about maybe you notice the same thing on multiple instruments that you play where you have these certain patterns that if you're doing a cover or you're writing that you kind of tend to fall into those patterns does that yeah. does that ever bother you yes <laughs> 100 percent. i it used to not bother me and i was like this is my thing that's good and then i realized how much i was limiting myself by not break trying to break out of those patterns um so it's just it's just this weird thing that it's like um it's like having a song stuck in your head but it's a a finger pattern right so your yeah, fingers just always yeah. go to the same kind of shapes these same shapes um it's not even a chord thing so i can be playing different chords it's just like a shape thing um and recently this year has been the year that i'm trying to break out of that as much as possible um and i'm just really doing that by practicing and, and trying to force myself to play things that i don't normally play um so getting more into jazzy kind of seventh chords has been what I've been focusing on recently to help with that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Work in, work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lacey. <laughs> I think Dan might have cut out, but that's yeah, that's okay. Um, and um, but this is this has been a wonderful conversation, and um, and and I always like this, especially with friends having um, musician artist friends of mine or Dan's on here because there's kind of things that I for example in this conversation that kind of learned about you that had no idea about before mm. um kind of this can help with that so thanks so much um would you yeah. be yeah willing you. to uh would, would you be willing to um maybe share where people can find you on socials I'll quickly say that um well yeah socials and if if there's a certain place that you want to, uh, people to find siren your new single and maybe about your single that's coming out and when that's coming out, the ne your next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, Siren you can find on Spotify. It's on YouTube, Apple Music. Um, it, it really should be anywhere that you're listening to your music. Um, pretty easy to find. 
and my socials are Instagram is Lacey.L, E-L-L-E, um, and Facebook is Lacey L Music. Um, so you can find stuff there okay. if you want to find updates of stuff coming out. It's going to be there. This song that I'm working on now, which has just been like a mixing nightmare, mostly because I'm, I'm learning how to mix, uh, should be... Mm-hmm. Oh, I really hope that I'm going to be announcing it within the next week. Um, but I, I cannot guarantee anything. <laughs> but that one, that one's called uh, Lost in the Fire. Great. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll look out for it. And on behalf of the Tanupi team, thanks so much for being so flexible and making this work. And yeah, we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. This was so much fun. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Lacey. Yeah. Talk later. Bye. See you swimming underneath me in the water. Sunlight glowing through unearthly under your scales. Won't you take me back down with you in the water? We're so along into my curls and to my scales. Cause all of my life I've been looking for you all of my